there still is power in the blood of Jesus. Right? Come on, give the Lord a praise. We do, Lord. We celebrate the power. That's through your name, Lord. Mighty God. Hallelujah. Amen. It's good to see everybody this morning. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord today in the presence of God and His people? Amen. If you're new to our church, my name is Greg Johnson. I serve here as lead pastor, and uh, you are welcome. If you're joining us at Mission Church Online, God bless you. It is great to have you with us as well. Amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. Take your Bibles and uh, turn with me to the book of Acts. As you know, we are in the book of Acts for a series right now. We're continuing today in Acts chapter 4, and uh, today... I want to talk to you from the subject, Overcoming Opposition. And this is a, a, a story here in Acts chapter 4 that helps us to see how we as believers will often come under fire in this world. That it really just is a part of serving Jesus. But uh, thank God for His grace and for His presence and the Holy Spirit that brings us through those seasons. Amen. Acts chapter 4 And we're going to be reading in verse 1 all the way down to verse 10. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, For it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. And it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? That's a great question, isn't it? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, we just need to thank God for that. That is such a powerful scripture right there. Overcoming opposition. So a little context here. Uh, We read that in chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Peter preached an incredible message. 3,000 people were saved and baptized. And more people were coming to Christ daily as the apostles continued to preach. Reports of revival would have been all throughout Jerusalem. And especially the uh, religious leaders would have heard about what's happening. Then in chapter 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple, and uh, there's a lame man that they pray for. The lame man is miraculously healed, and uh, and then Peter preaches another powerful message. And in chapter 4, where we are now, we see that the number 
of the believers has grown to 5,000 men, not including the women and the children. This is explosive. This is, this is incredible what is happening here. And now the church is not just a novelty. It's not just a sect. It is a movement. And it is such a movement that it is becoming a massive threat to the religious leaders who are in fear of losing their power and their influence over the people. Because listen, you can't have 10,000, 15,000, whatever it is, you can't have this mass of people congregating in the temple courtyard in the name of Jesus Christ, whom the religious leaders crucified as a false prophet and a criminal. For them, for the religious leaders now, this is a spiritual insurrection. This is worse, far worse, uh, than when Jesus drove the money changers out of, out of the temple grounds. And the religious leaders now had to react. They had to do something about this movement that was escalating and gaining more and more momentum. So react, they did. Verse 1 says that as the apostles Peter and John were speaking to these thousands of people that are gathered there in the temple courtyard, in come the priests and the temple guards and the Sadducees. Now the priests... These are the religious leaders who officiated over all of the temple sacrifices. Back then, there were 24 groups of priests who, would, who were stationed all throughout the land of Israel. And the priests from around Israel would serve on a two-week rotation throughout the year there in the temple in Jerusalem. The temple guard, these are like the police force of the temple and they were responsible for keeping order on the temple grounds they're known for being enforcers of the next group the sadducees now the sadducees these were the people that were really in power these were the true religious leaders they ran the temple operations they held all the power they held all the wealth and they were corrupt they were only interested in maintaining their power like a mafia family and the temple police or the guards were like their enforcers. And verse 2 says that these religious leaders, these priests, these Sadducees, the temple guard, they were greatly disturbed that Peter and John were teaching the people. And it wasn't just that they were teaching, that they were unofficial and unordained uh, religious leaders who were teaching, it's what they were teaching. Verse 2 says, They taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now remember, these priests, these Sadducees, these temple guards, these were the very people who had Jesus killed. And now, these men who were followers of Jesus are spreading this message that the Jesus that the Sadducees and the priests had killed has risen from the dead, that this Jesus is alive and well, and that this Jesus is working miracles in Jerusalem. And thousands and thousands are gathering in the temple uh, campus to hear all about this Jesus that the religious leaders had just killed weeks earlier. And the word is spreading. 
By day after day, hundreds and hundreds are coming to Christ. So yes, they were greatly disturbed. How many can understand that? Greatly disturbed. They're threatened. They think they're going to lose their power. So what do they do? Verse 2, or verse 3 says that they laid their hands on them, Peter and John. They took hold of them. They grabbed them. They accosted them, and they put them in custody. They put them in custody. And this is the beginning of the open conflict between the followers of Jesus Christ and the ruling powers of the world. This is the first conflict of the church. Jesus predicted that this would happen. He told his followers. He said in John 15, remember, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And so that's why today I want to talk about overcoming opposition. Because what happened back then with Peter and John is still happening today. If you have a hunger for God, if you have a passion for His presence, it will always bring resistance from the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Amen? We live in a hostile world, a hostile spiritual world that does not want God to be glorified or God's people to be empowered to glorify God in the earth. And if it happened to Peter and John, it happens to everyone who will draw close to Christ and serve Christ openly in this world. In fact, opposition from this world is a sign that you're doing something right. Hello? It's a sign that you are moving in the right direction because the devil will only confront you if you're moving against him. If you're moving in the same direction that he is, then you're not going to get any, any resistance from him. Amen? So if you're getting resistance and opposition, it's a good... In fact, I would be more concerned if you were here today saying, no, I'm, everything's fine in my life. I don't, have any, I don't have any opposition or resistance at all. I'd be concerned that you're not moving in the right direction. Amen? I want to hear that the people of God are facing some conflict and some opposition, some hostility, some resistance in this world. Why? Because we are not of this world. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Yes? Amen. So a few truths that I want to give us today from this text for overcoming opposition. Some things to bear in mind. Truth number one, when you follow Jesus... When you make spiritual progress, the enemy will bring opposition against you. It may not be from significant religious leaders or authorities like the Sadducees or government officials, but it may be from other significant figures or authorities in your life who are opposing your movement towards Christ. It's not that they're evil. It's not that they're bad. In fact, these people in your life who are maybe authorities or people of influence in your life, they may be sincerely concerned about the direction that you're taking spiritually. When I first came to Christ, I faced resistance from people who were hugely significant in my life. I did not grow up in a born-again, Bible-believing household. So when I came home telling my mom and my dad that I had accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I was reading the Bible, and I was quoting Scripture, and I was going to church four or five times a week, they thought 
I was in a cult. <laughs> in a cult. Especially since they were used to getting phone calls from the police telling them to come down to the station and pick me up. So this was kind of a radical shift in my life, right? And so they sent me to talk to the minister of the local church of our, of our community. And so I went and I sat with the local minister and he began to quiz me and to, uh, you know, kind of interrogate me a little bit. Tell me about your experience. Tell me about your faith, your, your relationship with Jesus Christ. What church is it that you're going to? And I would tell him the church. He'd say, oh, I know that church. He said, this is what he said to me. He said, isn't that the church that believes that only born-again people go to heaven? And I didn't know a whole lot about the Bible, but I knew enough to say, well, doesn't the Bible say that except a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> so here's the powerful thing. I had such an encounter with Jesus Christ, such a transformation in my soul that no one and nothing could shake what I knew to be true. That Jesus was alive and he was alive in my life. It was not just philosophy, not just theology, not just religion. Jesus was alive in my soul. So the minister told my parents, he said, you know what, don't, don't stop him from going to church. That'll be the worst thing you could do. He said, I know the church. He said, it's an Assemblies of God church. It's not a cult. Everybody say, not a cult. Okay, and he said, listen, he's young, he's a little excited, you know, he'll mature, he'll grow out of it as he gets older, he'll probably lose interest in all of this stuff. Well, I want you to know, here I am, three months shy of 40 years from that day, and I have never lost interest, I haven't grown out of it, Jesus Christ is more real to me today than he was 40 years ago in my life. But the reality is that if you move closer to Christ, the enemy will put up resistance in your life, right? Verse 5 says, it came to pass on the next day, talking about James and John, they laid hands on, hands on James and John, I mean, uh, Peter and John, they put them in custody, they threw them in jail, and then it says in verse 5, it came to pass on the next day, which means if it came to pass the next day, they spent the night in prison. They spent the night in prison. Now, I don't know how many here ever spent the night. And don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> we, we don't need to know that, all right? But truth number two is this. Just because you love Jesus doesn't mean you won't have nights in prison. Doesn't mean that you won't face some isolation and, and people ostracizing you because you're a follower of Jesus Christ. When I say a night in prison... It may not be a real prison. It may be family members who withdraw from you. Friends who ostracize you. I remember I had a friend, my best friend told me, his name was Paul. When I told him that I was born again Christian, he said, well, I guess we can't be friends anymore. I mean, people will just shut the door on you when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Many people will not love your decision to follow Jesus. And you might get to a point where you start to feel emotionally isolated and cut off from significant people in your life, like a night in prison, a long, 
cold, lonely night in prison where there's no one there to encourage you, no one there to support you. It's just you, your Bible, and your faith, and that's it. How many know what I'm talking about? In fact, it feels like no one in church, no one, you don't have even people around you who are Christians, who are encouraging you, who are aware of what you're going through. It's just you, your Bible, and your faith, and that's it. And understand something, these long nights in prison are a necessary part of our spiritual growth and our walk with Christ, because God wants to refine our faith. In other words, he doesn't want our faith to be dependent on other people around us to prop our faith up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? He, 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 he wants to purge us from a reliance on people or a reliance on feelings. And he wants to solidify our faith on his word and on our relationship with him so that we can come out of that dark night in prison where nothing can shake our faith. Amen? So it says, verse 5, on the next day, the rulers, the elders... And scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Here's the third truth. Intimidation will often be a part of the enemy's opposition. Intimidation in fact, is one of the devil's favorite tools. Intimidation. To intimidate means to control someone by frightening or humiliating or threatening them. And for Peter and John, this intimidation came in the form of the Sanhedrin. Now the Sanhedrin, I mentioned this before, was like the supreme court of Israel. But they were corrupt. And they were interested only in one thing, maintaining their power and their control through their religious power. Their chamber council was a place on the temple campus. It was connected, actually, to the temple, and it was called the Hall of Hewn Stones. And this is where Peter and John would have been taken to be interrogated. Now, the men of the Sanhedrin would have sat in a circle in this great hall. They would have sent in a circle. There were 70 members of the Sanhedrin plus one, the high priest. Annas was the senior among them. He was actually the ex-high priest. But they still call him high priest, much like we call ex-presidents, Mr. President. Caiaphas was actually the current high priest. He was the son-in-law to Annas. He was the president of the Sanhedrin. And then there was John, who was also a son to Annas, and Alexander, who would also have been a family member of Annas. Here we have an oligarchy. I mean, it's just nepotism all over the place. The family of Annas ruled here. They held the power. And in the middle of this circle of the Sanhedrin, this, this oligarchy, this, this family of power, would stand Peter and John. And the council members would fire off accusations in rapid succession, intimidating them. They laid into them. How dare you teach something that we have not approved? 
How dare you speak something that we have not sanctioned? How dare you believe something that we don't believe in? And is this not similar to what we hear today from the people around us and the world around us? The enemy brings this pressure from people around us, tries to intimidate us. Come on, you've heard it. Some of you, I hope you've heard it. I hope you've heard someone say to you, what are you now, a Jesus freak? I take that as a compliment. Yeah, that's, that's right. I am a Jesus freak. Right? You actually believe in the Bible? Come on, you ever hear that? You actually believe in all those stories, all those myths and those legends? You go to church how many times a week? Right? You actually believe that Jesus is God? And that he died on the cross, and you actually believe that he rose from the dead, right? And the world will try to, to try to intimidate us and interrogate us in rapid succession, right? And try to make us feel like we are fools for believing in the Bible. And just, it's just as the enemy tried to intimidate and silence Peter and John, the enemy will try to intimidate and silence you and get you to close your mouth to the gospel. But understand something, and many of you know this is true. It is hard to be intimidated when you know who lives within you. It is hard to be intimidated by the world when you have a testimony of what God has done in your life. It is hard to be controlled by the opinions of men when you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So verse 7, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? How many know that was the wrong question for them to ask? By what power or what name? Seriously? You really want want us to go there? I mean, talk about a setup, right? Talk about a setup, an opening to preach the gospel. What does it show us? It shows us that even in the midst of this attack, this opposition, this resistance, that God was turning that moment of intimidation into an opportunity for the gospel. That God will always turn things around. Amen? That's the next truth. God is with you. When you're being opposed, when you're being resisted, God is with you and God is in control and God will take that situation and turn it around and he will work all things together for the good. He's the God who takes what the devil meant for evil, turns it around and uses it for good, right? By what power or by what name have you done this? It's what we call a divine appointment. Amen? Everybody say divine appointment. That's when God gives you an opportune moment to speak the gospel, to glorify His name. And we need to be more aware of divine appointments that God's setting up. How many know what I'm talking about, right? Not only be aware, but be praying every day, Lord, give me some divine appointments today, right? Schedule some divine appointments and help me to discern, Lord, that you're turning this conversation into the direction where you want to unleash the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit upon the person that I'm speaking to. Amen? Hallelujah. Verse 8, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, did you get that? Peter, what, what was Peter? Filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Number five, here's another truth. In those moments of intimidation, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you. The Holy, listen, you do not have to give in to the intimidation because the whole, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower you and enable you and fire you up to be able to stand firm. This is why we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. And this is why we're focusing on the book of Acts. Because too many of God's people in this day and age are being intimidated into silence before the world. We are being confused by politics. We are thinking that our mission is to get into all kinds of the political issues of this day. Who are you voting for? Who are you going to elect? Who's in power? And you know what? That's a distraction. That's not what we're supposed to be caught up in. We're supposed to be caught up in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that we are surrounded not by Democrats and not by Republicans, but by lost souls that are on their way to an eternity and need Jesus Christ. And we have been intimidated into shutting our mouths and losing our voice. But we need the Holy Spirit today. And the Holy Spirit wants to empower us. Amen? Jesus said in Acts 1.8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not for us you to come to blessed and be church because you feel the Holy Spirit. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not impart the gift of warm fuzzies. Amen? That's not what the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is not just for you to have a delightful worship experience. The Holy Spirit comes upon us to empower us to overcome the strongholds of this world, to to have the force of God through the resistance of the enemy, to stand firm in this world and be bold for Christ. To set us aflame in this world. And I'm concerned that too many Christians, the flame has gone out. The flame, I mean, Jesus said, I would rather that you you be hot or cold, not lukewarm, right? He says, but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. And I'm concerned that today, in the 21st century church, even in the Pentecostal Assemblies of God church, that we have too many Christians who have grown lukewarm in their faith and their walk with Jesus Christ. And I believe that the, that the Holy Spirit wants to bring fire back to your life. Amen? Amen. Verse 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, hallelujah. Now the word Christ means Messiah. And he was basically saying, Peter was saying, the Messiah that you killed The Messiah that you arrested and tried and you crucified, not the Romans, not Pilate. I mean, Peter was direct. Peter was bold. He said the Messiah, the Christ that you killed, whom, verse 10, God raised from the dead by him and by his name and by his power. This man stands before you whole. Hallelujah. Then he goes on. He doesn't stop there. Verse 11, he says, This, Jesus, is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, 
which has become the chief cornerstone. You've tried to throw the stone away, but God has set it up to build a new building. And that new building is called the church, the body of Christ on the earth. He reminds them, Peter, he reminds them, this is the Jesus, you Pharisees, you Sadducees, you priests and temple guards that you rejected. That he came to you, he offered salvation to you, but you rejected him. Next truth, when you see the devil trying to intimidate you, never compromise the gospel. Speak with love, speak with respect, but speak the truth. Amen? And even if you're a little bit afraid, keep speaking. Speak the truth even if your voice is shaking. Amen? Speak the truth even if you've got butterflies in your belly. Speak the truth even though people are crossing their arms and rolling their eyes and shaking their heads at you. Speak the truth. That's what Peter... Peter did not soften the message. He doesn't compromise. Hallelujah. Verse 12, he said, look at what he says in verse 12. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. Come on, doesn't that get you fired up? Peter is saying, you priests, you Sadducees, you religious leaders, you need to be saved. He says, you're lost. Your religion won't save you. Keeping laws won't save you. Sacrifices won't save you. Only Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Only Jesus is the name that will save you. Amen. This is our example. That in the midst of persecution, in the midst of mockery, never compromise the exclusivity of the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And it is so disturbing to me, and it should be disturbing to you, how so many want to soften and sugarcoat the exclusivity of the name of Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know. Who, who am I to say who God will accept and won't accept? I don't know. It's not up to me. It's up to God. Look, I know it's up to God, amen? But He shows us in the Word who is saved and who is not saved. There is Salvation in no other, Peter said. There is only one name given under heaven among men, Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, everybody say boldness. They perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. (laughs) They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Isn't that amazing? Hallelujah. Last truth. When you speak the truth, when you stand for God, the Holy Spirit does the work. Amen? It says that that room full of Sadducees marveled. Highly trained, highly educated religious leaders. They were awestruck. They felt the effect that these men had been with Jesus and they could not deny the power of God on their lives. Now, I don't know what kind of opposition or resistance you might be facing in your life right now, but I know, listen, if you're seeking more of Him, if you're trying to follow Him, you're going to face resistance from the enemy. If you're trying to build a home that glorifies God, if you're trying to raise kids that glorify God, if you're trying to order your career in a way that honors God, you will face resistance. And understand this, we cannot overcome that resistance in our own strength. 
They knew that Peter and John were untrained, uneducated men, meaning they knew they were unequipped in their own strength, unqualified in their own ability. Just as you and I are unequipped in our own strength and our own ability, we don't have the ability we need to do. We need to do what we have to do. Amen. Unqualified for ministry. Unqualified to raise our kids, unqualified to pursue our calling and our career, unqualified, unequipped to overcome temptation. What we need is to be with Jesus. That's what we, like Peter and John had been with Jesus. We need that testimony that we have been and are with Jesus. What does that mean? That means that we need him to fill us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit because it's the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit that will equip us to do the work that we're called to do that will equip us to resist the, res- the, the resistance that will equip us to overcome the opposition amen the power and the presence of the holy spirit in our lives let me ask the worship team to come on up here please i want you to move down to verse 23 as we draw to a close here verse 23 it says and being let go so we're fast forwarding here it means that the council decided that there was nothing that they could do. So they threatened them, Peter and John. They commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus Christ. But look at what they did. They didn't pull back. They didn't say, boy, we, we, were, we, were, we were really lucky. We're, we really missed a bullet that time, huh? No, no, no. They knew that it was, luck had nothing to do with it. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, what did they hear? Don't preach, don't teach, keep your mouth shut. When they heard that, here's what they did. They raised their voice to God with one accord. And look down to verse 29. And here's what they said. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness... <laughs> Hallelujah. They may speak. They told us to shut up, but Lord, we're not shutting up, God. We feel a little intimidated, but Lord, we need boldness. Lord, give us boldness that they may speak your word. And, verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal, and that by signs, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, look at this. The place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Hallelujah. You feeling a little intimidated today? You're facing some opposition today? The answer to that is not to draw back and close your mouth. The answer to that is to say, Lord, behold their threats. Lord, you heard what they said. You hear what you see what they're doing. Lord, we don't want to draw back. Lord, grant to your servant boldness that, Lord, we might speak your word. And, Lord, even more than that, Lord God, that you'll put your power on us, Lord God. Hallelujah. That through the name of your holy servant Jesus, signs and wonders will be done in this world. Listen, church, we want the world to look at the testimony of Jesus on our life and marvel to be awestruck of what God is is doing in us and through us amen do you believe that the same god who existed then exists today 
Do you believe that what God did for one people will do for us today? Do you believe that? Come on, church. This is where it starts, with our faith, with our ability to believe the Word of God. Hallelujah. We're going to close the service, but as we do, we're going to ask God for boldness. How many need boldness? Come on. How many need boldness now? If, if, listen, if you don't plan on saying anything and just being, a, you know, a secret secret Christian, you know, you don't need any boldness. You can just go on and just be quiet. But if you really want to walk with Jesus and you really want to serve the Lord and you really want to see lost people come to Christ, then my friend, you and I, we need some boldness. Amen? Amen? How many need boldness today? Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for the example that it shows us, Lord God, that yes, opposition will come. It will come, Lord God. And Lord, we will not be shocked when it does. We expect it, God. But Lord, we believe that you're with us in the opposition. And that, Lord, you want to fill us and you want to empower us with the person and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That, Lord, you will bring boldness upon your people. Come on, lift up both hands. Just say, Lord, I need boldness. Lord, grant boldness. Come on, talk to the Lord right now. Come on, use some boldness right now. Use some boldness. Just say, Lord, grant boldness. God, I need boldness. I need boldness, Lord God, to stand firm. Lord, to speak your word. Lord, to glorify your name. I need boldness in this world. And I pray, Lord, that you'll fill me and you'll flood me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's lift our hands. Let's cry out to the Lord right now. Boldness, Lord. Boldness, Lord, for your people. For I am a child yes, God. of God. Boldness, Lord. Oh, I'm no longer a slave yes. My God, my God. Oh, I am a child yes. of God. Come on, let the Lord hear you cry today. Oh, I'm no longer a slave My God, my God. You're faithful, Lord. For I am a child, a child of God. Yes, I'm no Lord. longer a slave. I'm no longer a slave. Oh, I can speak your word with faith and yes, say Lord. I yes, am a child. Come on, you split the sea. Come on, sing it out. You split the sea so Father, thank you, Father. Come on, give the Lord a praise. We thank you, Lord. Faithful God. Amen. We're going to close the service and uh, open the doors and pray for you as you go that the Lord will continue to strengthen you. But I'm going to open the altars. Some of you are here today and you're saying, you know what? I need, I need boldness. I really do. I'm going through some pressure. I'm going through some resistance in my life. And I need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my... You need God to do something that only God can do. You need God to empower and equip you. So we're going to open the altars and invite you to come forward and get prayed for this morning. Father, for those that need to go, Lord, we just pray your blessing on each one, Lord. That the presence of God and the power of the Holy Spirit will go with us as we leave this place, Lord. And God, for those that are coming forward, 
Lord, those that are saying, yes, God, more boldness, Lord. Grant boldness, Lord. We pray, God, that you will meet each person, each one of us here at this altar, Lord, and you'll open the windows of heaven and pour out your power and your fire and your spirit and your boldness in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Shake this place, Lord. Shake this place, Lord God, with an infusion infusion of your power and your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you need to go, you can go ahead. God bless you. You can be dismissed out that door. If you want to come forward and get some prayer, come on. Come on up here. Get prayed for.